Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Our catechism gives examples of ways that we sin against the seventh commandment, ways in which we steal. Stealing means more than simply emptying our neighbor's pockets. Not only do we sin against this commandment by taking someone's goods through robbery, theft, cheating, bribing, overcharging, but also through laziness. Our large, our large catechism says that this is actually worse than someone who actually breaks in and, and burglars or robs someone because they'll be caught and they'll face punishment. Uh, but with this, there, there are consequences that, that may never be made just, at least in, in this life. You know, we tend to make a joke out of laziness. You know, laziness is sitting in a lounge chair drinking a beer while uh, somebody else is, is mowing the lawn when, when I should. And we think that, that I actually can't be lazy because, well, I'm always busy doing stuff. But laziness, according to the seventh commandment, is not the opposite of being busy. Laziness is not primarily connected to the duties I perform, the things that I do, but my vocation. My vocation in the home, my vocation in society, and my vocation in the church. And each one of these makes a real calling on how I live my life and the things then that I do. We also tend to to judge laziness by comparing my work to somebody else. So we look at somebody else and we see that they're doing less work than I am. And so we either, we either get angry at them or we use that as a reason to, to excuse ourselves and, and be lazy ourselves and think we're justified. Instead, what I should be doing, and this is the case with any sin, what I should be doing is comparing myself to God's standards according to my vocation. This is what our catechism says. Consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Are you a father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, or worker? Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? So, for instance, if I'm too busy working and and too busy making money for my family to ensure that they're being brought to the services of God's house, then maybe I actually need a job making less money so that I can come to church and trust that God will provide. Otherwise, I am stealing because I'm not giving my family what I owe to them according to my vocation. I am not called to give my family as as much money as I possibly can so they can buy boats and toys and puppies and kitties and, and everything else. But I do have orders from God to serve my family in the home, in society, and in the church to give them Jesus. We see an excellent example of this in our gospel lesson for Epiphany 3. Two men come to Jesus with physical needs, showing, first of all, that Jesus is actually concerned about and does care about our physical well-being. A Jewish leper and a Roman centurion. And through them we see how we are to act in the vocations God calls us to. The centurion is concerned about his servant. 
But think about this. He's a Roman soldier in a high position. And this is surprising for two reasons. One, he's actually concerned about those under him. And two, he's coming to Jesus. A Roman soldier associating with a Jewish rabbi could very likely mean he's putting his own reputation, his own honor, his own job at stake. He could lose a promotion from his superiors, be kicked out of his position, but he doesn't care what they can do. He cares what God can do. He's not concerned about his stuff and making sure he gets what he's owed and that no one takes it from him because he's putting his stuff in God's hands, including servants. And notice that the centurion doesn't say, I am a man with authority, but I am a man under authority. Now, the only way you can have authority is if someone is over you, if someone uh, has given you that authority. So you have to be under authority to have it. The centurion is a man who understands mission. He's a soldier. He does what he's told. And he's absolutely not lazy. When he's told to go, he goes. When he's told to come, he comes. He does what he's told. And of course, he wants to protect soldiers around him and under him, uh, but his first goal is to accomplish the mission. If they're not doing their job, he doesn't stop doing his. And he doesn't get to choose which battles he fights. He does what he's told. And so when he says to Jesus, for I also am a man under authority, that's a far bolder statement than it might appear. He's saying that Jesus is a man under authority. Jesus is a fellow soldier. Jesus himself doesn't get to choose which battles to fight. Jesus does the will of his Father. And Jesus' mission is to restore. And so knowing this, having faith in this, and asking Jesus to heal his servant, the centurion is telling Jesus to do his mission. And Jesus marvels at this. And he says, I have not found such great faith even in anyone in Israel. Which, of course, is a critique on Israel. You know, the people who should have known this. This foreign soldier's faith should spur them to get off their butts and to follow Jesus and do what he's called them to do. He's called them to come, but they've gone. He's called them to go, but they've stayed. And the result is they will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, to be under authority, like the centurion, is not negative. At the risk of, of sounding too much like Spider-Man, and I love Spider-Man, uh, you know, Spider-Man's great thing is with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, with authority comes great duty and crosses. And there's a difference. With authority comes great duty and crosses. Uh, but we don't want authority. We want power. Power is making those under me serve me. 
using my position as an excuse for laziness. Authority, however, is using my power to serve those who are subordinates under me. And the one with authority actually is the one that has the more difficult duty and the higher calling to not be lazy. And the centurion is right. Jesus also is a man under authority. Jesus himself is subordinate to the Father according to his own humanity and according to his own will. And again, this is not negative because Jesus is not inferior to the Father. Now, this is a difficult concept for many in our day, and rightly so because we've had so many really terrible examples in our world, in our society. We think, uh, we confuse power with authority and we confuse subordination with inferiority. We think hierarchy means ontological inferiority, that there there must be something wrong or, or, or lower with people under someone else. But just because God places some in authority and asks others to be subordinate does not mean they are in any way inferior. We, we heard Ephesians 5 last week. That's probably the, 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 the pinnacle example of, of one that most people try to ignore uh, because they don't like when Jesus says that we are to, be sub- to submit or to be subordinate. Uh, that God gives husbands the authority in the home and men the authority in the church does not mean wives or women are in any way inferior. Jesus is equal to the Father in every way, and yet Jesus is subordinate. Women are equal to men. God even says this, they are helpmeets. They are fit for each other. They are equal. But there is an order. Jesus himself is subordinate to the Father, even though he is equal. So, how do subordinates act? Subordinates have a responsibility too. They have a responsibility to guide, advise, and even at times rebuke those who have authority over them. But to be okay with submitting to the will of the one in authority. This is the way the leper, the Jewish leper, acts in our gospel lesson. The Jewish leper comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He does tell Jesus what he wants. He does tell Jesus what he thinks would be a good idea. But he submits his will to to Jesus. He prays, as we're taught, thy will be done. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing. Be clean. There's a cartoon, maybe you've seen it, uh, where UFOs or aliens are are looking down on humans. And they they see all these humans walking their dogs. Uh, the, the, the dogs are walking in front of them like, uh, like the humans are being pulled on the leash that, that's tight and the humans are, are then seen cleaning up the dog poop and, and the aliens assume that the dogs are the superior creatures. Uh, and it's funny because it's kind of true. 
but it's, it's only true if you're talking about power. There is this reality that those in authority serve their subordinates. Mothers and fathers do clean up the poop of their children. Those in authority do serve their subordinates. They have the greater duty. The greater duty falls not to the child, but to the mother. Right? She's the one that does all the work, even though she has the most autonomy. But it's not the child that's superior. The one in authority has the greater duty. The centurion is prepared to lose his job for the sake of his servant, of the one under him. He's prepared to lose his job. God calls husbands to literally give their lives for the good of their wife. God calls men to be stewards in the church, to give of their time and their money. God calls parents to take care of their children, and God calls fathers specifically to catechize their children. Now, if, if those in authority aren't doing these things, it doesn't mean the subordinates take over. It doesn't mean our kids get to take over in our house uh, and have chaos to reign, but rather to call those in authority to repentance and do their duty. How important this order is. The centurion's servant, if it were not for the centurion, taking his responsibility seriously, would have died. He would have died. The servant couldn't come himself, but he saved because of the faith and the love and the dedication of his master. What responsibilities, what vocations has God called you to? And by taking those more seriously, what might God do through you? How might your family or your church be blessed through your faith and love and dedication? How many of us here today wouldn't be here uh, without our parents uh, bringing us to be baptized when we couldn't come ourselves? What the centurion did what our parents, what your parents did for you, and what those in authority do for us is to show Jesus to us. And Jesus leads by suffering. Jesus suffers for the subordinate. He actually puts up with us. We've been so lazy and slothful in all our vocations, each one of us, but Jesus has not only put up with us, but suffered and died for us. He doesn't hold our sins of laziness uh, against us, but suffers and dies for us and forgives us. And this, then, is how we are to deal with those who sin against us, who may be lazy or stealing against us. That's why St. Paul in our epistles says, uh, from Romans, he says, do not pay anyone back Evil for evil, focus on those things that everyone considers noble. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Do not become overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We are to love as Jesus loved. We are to forgive. This is our highest vocation, our highest calling as 
Christians. This is what the Christian church exists to do, to forgive sins. Jesus, a man under authority, a man under orders, has placed all of us into office. He gives some the office of mother. He gives some the, uh, the office of father. He gives some the office of husband, uh, uh, of wife. He gives some the, the office of, of, of elders uh, or, or uh, counsel in the church. He gives some the office of pastor. And again, we don't have power. We have authority. I don't have the power to forgive sins. But I have the authority. And so do you. Think about what I say every Sunday. I, as a called and ordained servant of Christ, and by His authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. To be ordained means to be under orders. I don't forgive because I think it's a good idea, or it's cool. It is cool, though. I forgive because I am ordered to. I am ordained. I am subordinate. And I do this publicly, but every one of you is called to do this individually and privately in your own vocations. And so the next time someone sins against you according to the Seventh Commandment, or when you seek to fulfill the Seventh Commandment, remember that you and I do not have any power. Don't hold someone's sins against, you, against them and, and make them serve you uh, or, or pay you back. But forgive them by the authority that you also have been given and placed under. For you too have been forgiven by that same authority. So go. Let it be done for you as you have believed. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.